0: Hello, welcome back to another week of the Multifaceted Athlete. This is our final episode of 2023 and also episode 96. We are getting up there almost to 100, which is very exciting. If all goes well, we should hit 100 next month, January in 2024. So super excited for that. But today in our final episode of 2023, I have Elizabeth Knight back on the podcast for a third time. If you haven't listened to the other two episodes with Elizabeth, she is an integrative health coach and a nurse nurse practitioner and we are talking today about navigating the healthcare system as a runner. So most of you know, I have had an injury since my fall ultra. Elizabeth similarly had a niggle after her fall ultra. So we talk about our own experiences of injury recovery and medical care. And we explore different routes of care such as primary care, physical therapy, and consulting with a sports dietitian. We also touch on the differences between bone stress injuries and soft tissue injuries. And we chit chat a bit about the race that we're both doing coming up in January. We'll both be back in Carlsbad this year again so yeah without further ado here's my conversation with Elizabeth enjoy well Elizabeth welcome back to the podcast for a third time we'll be talking a little bit about injuries and navigating the healthcare system so for anyone who is unfamiliar with you can you give a quick refresher on your background your credentials and all of that
1: Yes, absolutely. Hi Kelly, it's so nice to see you again. Uh, My name is Elizabeth Knight. I am an integrative health coach and I'm a nurse practitioner. And I have a health coaching practice where I work with runners and everyday athletes um, who are looking to improve health or manage health problems and also advance their running and sports life and to use those things synergistically. So that's my background. And so when we talk about uh, injuries or health problems and how you might talk about those things when you're engaging with the typical healthcare system, like you go see your primary care doctor, you go to urgent care or whatever that might look like for you, Um, what are the specific things that might come up for runners uh, that are a little bit different than they are for the rest of the population? And there could be some friction points there. There could be some things that you're like, why is this so frustrating? And I think it might help to sort of talk about why that is a little bit and then maybe give some tips for how to navigate that and make things go a little bit more smoothly.
0: Yeah, definitely. I feel like whenever I have an injury, I don't usually go through the general healthcare system because I have a PT that I love. So I go to her and I'm just like, what should I do? Do I need you? Do I need someone else? Let's start with when should you go see someone when you have... Something that's hurting.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great place to start it. And you know, for for what you said, having somebody who maybe you trust as an athlete to help you navigate that, like for you, it's a PT, is really really helpful. Um, but for a lot of people, their first point of contact with the healthcare system or with a, a professional who's going to help them evaluate whether some pain or an injury is something significant that can be um, you know, that you need help managing, or whether it's something. You just need a little rest for um, is is hard to do by yourself. So having somebody to help you do that is really helpful. But for most of us, we're trying to decide: hmm, Do I need to call somebody or can I run through this? And runners love to run through it. We don't, don't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and sometimes that's right, but sometimes it's not. Um, and so what I would always say is: First of all, especially if you're an inexperienced. Person, err on the side of caution uh, until you learn a little bit better, maybe what the limits of your own body are and what pain means in your body. And there's, we all know that you'll experience pain as an athlete, um, and some of that pain is totally fine, and some of that pain is not fine. And it's really, really hard to just explain what falls into which category. So so that's why I say if you're a less experienced person, um, err on the side of caution. And it would be better to go in and have somebody tell you, no, this is OK, than to not go in and then find out that you've been running on a stress fracture for six months. That said, few things to think about if we're talking about like a musculoskeletal pain, injury, leg pain, foot pain, knee pain type of deal is um, something that is getting worse as you go as opposed to sort of warming up a little bit as you go is a little bit more concerning so if you feel it in the first you know half mile and then it kind of shakes itself out I'm not saying ignore it but that's less of a red flag than something that starts out you know maybe feeling like one out of ten pain and then by mile three it's four out of ten pain and then suddenly you know by the end of the the run you're walking home. Um, That's more concerning. Another one is if you're having pain um, at night or at rest in a body part um, and not just when you're running um, or when you're walking around and not just when you're running. So those are a couple of things that I would say, you know, just baseline to look out for and maybe consider getting an opinion from a professional, especially if you're not familiar with um, what that might mean in your body.
0: Yeah, I feel like those are some of the questions I ask athletes as a non-medical professional just to suss out like, should I recommend they go see someone or it's either that or don't recommend (laughs) or be like, okay, let's just like keep an eye on this and see if it gets worse and then maybe go see someone. Uh, Because as you know, like the unfortunate reality is not everyone has access to go see a professional. So it can be That can be an additional challenge and something's hurting. I think it might be bad, but also like maybe I don't have health insurance Mm -hmm. or maybe I need to see a PT, but my state requires a referral and I can't get into the doctor until a month from now. So I know we're going to talk about some friction points, but if someone were to go to urgent care or their PCP, what kind of things should they like ask them and what might they What are some friction points they might experience there?
1: Yeah, there's a few. And I think that starts with who are you going to see. Um, And so if you've made the call that like, yes, I do want this evaluated by somebody, um, that it's it's one of those more red flag things or you don't feel good about it or a little bit of rest hasn't taken care of it. And that's another one that I often like to prescribe to, is like, what if you took three complete days off from running How does it feel after Mm -hmm. that? Um, So that's another one that you can kind of keep in your back pocket when you're trying to suss out, do I need to see somebody? Or maybe it takes you that long to get an appointment. And so that would be another time to say, like, maybe I can manage this. Um, But um, so if you decide that, yes, you do want to go see somebody. um, uh, For most people, the point of entry is going to be primary care. Um, and mm-hmm. if you have a, a doctor, a nurse practitioner, a physician assistant, whoever it is, that's your primary care provider, um, that's a great person to see first. And one of the reasons for that is because that person can get to know you a little bit over time and understand sort of who you are as an athlete, uh, because athletes will have slightly different needs than other people and also often different values and priorities. So, you know, uh, a lot of the patients that a primary care provider sees are not active, healthy people with performance goals. Um, and so, for them, recommending, like, yeah, take it easy for four to six weeks. Uh, is fine Um, but for you or me that's like what are you kidding me no way I'm never gonna do that Uh, and so uh, you know building a relationship with a medical provider who understands maybe that you have a, a different point of view than than some of their other patients on what's um what's gonna be helpful for you um, is good. So primary care um, for that reason versus like walking into an urgent care um, where you're gonna see a provider who you've never seen before and will probably never see again. That said, that's still sometimes better than nothing. And sometimes that's what's available to you or you wanna be seen soon and that's the option. But you miss that that sort of pre-existing relationship that you can build over time if you do that. So when you're seeing your primary care, if, if they are not somebody who already knows you well or you're seeing a new provider maybe in an urgent care type of setting, I think it's really important to talk to that person up front and let them know like, Hey, I'm a runner. I'm an athlete. I've typically been running, you know, 45 miles a week. This pain is new. It's it's bothering me, and I'm concerned about it. Uh, and sometimes just framing things that way for the healthcare provider can be really helpful. Um, because you know like I said a minute ago they don't come into an encounter thinking like oh I've got an athlete here for the most part that most of their patients aren't Mm going to be that way and so what's concerning to you might not be concerning to them unless they understand the context uh, that that you're bringing so that'd be just a really good place to start I think and and sort of tell them what you're concerned about um, when it's bothering you and um, and go from there I think sometimes you'll hear from a a provider also like this just isn't really something that i'm worried about like it just needs rest and if you have a particular concern about it maybe um you've been talking to your coach or you've been doing some research and you think like this could be a stress fracture you know Uh, Mm -hmm. ask your provider if they have considered that and talk about it with you because that might not be on their radar screen if they're not looking at you and thinking athlete if they're looking at you and thinking you know regular person regular patient
0: yeah I think that brings up a good point in just like advocating for yourself too because I've heard uh from some of my athletes when they've gone to a doctor and either they're like your only option is to get imaging or like it doesn't even cross their mind and just being able to be like can I get an MRI x-ray whatever would tell the best story Uh, depending on the pain. Like you're saying, sometimes it's not the first thing that doctors think of or at all. Um, And especially if you are able to pay for that kind of thing and you want the peace of mind, not saying everyone needs to get imaging, but (laughs) sometimes it can be nice to get it sooner rather than later, especially if it is like a stress fracture, like you are saying.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's important, that piece about advocating for yourself, because I think that as uh, runners who are going to continue to be active and who have physical activity and often quite high level physical activity as part of our lives and part of our health promotion. Right. This isn't something that exists separate from the health space, that it is important for us to to. Advocate for an accurate diagnosis, which is sometimes not important for somebody who is going to be able to rest it off anyway and not really um, need to get back as soon as possible. Um, But for a a runner who wants to train for, you know, a spring race to be told like, eh, let's just kind of wait and see, it is not necessarily appropriate. And so, yeah, that piece of advocating for yourself, I think, is helpful. And, you know, another just piece of context is, you know, we were talking a couple of times about stress fractures, and we'll talk about about why in a minute. But stress fractures happen in a subset of the population which – oftentimes is related to things like underfueling or red s of energy deficiency in sport which is not a concept that that uh, the average primary care provider who's not a sports medicine specialist may even be aware of they probably are thinking like oh the female athlete triad is a thing and they might associate that with like a, you know gymnasts and college runners but not necessarily with like A 40 year old runner who does trail races like me so it's important to know your own risk factors because you may sometimes have to use that to advocate for yourself in a medical context
0: yeah yeah and i've definitely had athletes who have had to bring that up with their providers been like could it be this not necessarily with injuries but just like i'm feeling more tired than lately something feels off and that goes along with advocating for yourself being like you're brushing this off, but I know something is not right. So can we explore maybe these other things that I know of in the athletic population that maybe you're just not thinking about, or it's such a small subset, like you're saying, of what you see that it doesn't immediately pop to the top of the mind.
1: Yeah, that's right. And that there are some things like, we talk about iron all the time, um, and iron deficiency is extremely common in athletes in general and runners in particular. Uh, And we may have a different standard for what's a sufficient iron level than applies to the general population. You know, The laboratory reference ranges for normal are based on population averages. And if we were to take a population of athletes and use that as the reference range, it would look quite different from the general population. But that's not how those numbers tend to be interpreted. So I don't know, you maybe would have a ferritin level check to evaluate your iron status and it could come back at 15 or 20 and your doctor could say, eh, that's fine. But we know that for a runner or an athlete, it would be much better if it were 40 or 50. So that kind of... Context to bring to your your provider to say, hey, you know, for somebody like me, this might look a little different and I'd really like to know this um, can be helpful. And not to say that every doctor is going to have that uh, sort of knowledge gap or that approach, but many do. Uh, And if you find yourself, you know, frustrated being like, they're not taking me seriously, sometimes bringing that um, background and context in with you to help the doctor frame their own thought process um, can be really helpful
0: yeah so if you let's talk about the blood test results for a second if you were to get uh like your iron checked like you were saying and maybe some other biomarkers and your providers like everything looks fine how do you talk to them about like are you considering the athletic population or how do you find those ranges yourself if the provider isn't aware of them
1: yeah you know that's a good question. I think there are a couple of of ways to do that, and that oftentimes means looking um to another type of professional who maybe is more specialized in working with athletes. Um, And sometimes that'd be like a sports dietitian could help you with that. Um, Or you might look to somebody like me who does health coaching specifically with athletes. Um, But I would say, look for credentials and don't just kind of go for anybody who calls themselves a coach or a nutritionist, because those are really uh, broad terms and they may or may not have any sort of licensure or, or actual clinical expertise to back that up. And anybody can Google, you know, what's the iron level that's appropriate for a runner and some people will do that and then give it out as professional advice from a coaching uh, role, which is maybe not appropriate. Um, So, you know, somebody who's, who has the education for that. And so, um, yeah, a dietitian or a a coach with a a medical or physiology background might be able to help you interpret that better.
0: Good. Yeah. Um, I feel like the only thing that I know of outside of the healthcare system is like inside tracker that they say they use the athletic populations, but it's good to know that you can go with other people for help um, if you don't want to go that one route.
1: Well, yeah, and you know that's a, that's a good one too. So if you are a little bit more of a, a generally healthy person and you're not necessarily trying to unravel symptoms, but you're more looking to optimize performance, I would say a service like Inside Tracker is great um, because it it allows you to look at um, ranges of blood values and a a number of different blood values that um, Mm -hmm. you you can adjust your nutritional practices um, and other sort of related lifestyle factors to improve them. But if you're dealing with negative symptoms and you're really wanting to get to the bottom of that, I would suggest working with a professional and not trying to um, use the general advice that comes from a set of blood test results that are normalized for athletes.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So if someone goes to their primary care physician because they have an injury, what um, routes from there might they be put on, like referral-wise, other sports professionals? Yeah,
1: this is another area where I think it can be really helpful to advocate for yourself. We talked briefly um, about imaging already, and that's something that you can uh, oftentimes get started with from a primary care provider. And oftentimes the first test that will be ordered in that context is an x-ray, just a plain film x-ray, which we know doesn't necessarily do much to show us a lot of the types of injuries that we might be concerned about, but it is still the first test that's usually um, Offered and even required, um, largely because it's inexpensive, and sometimes they'll stop there, and that's when you sort of have to decide: is is that adequate? Am I um, am I satisfied that because they didn't see a a fracture on x-ray that there couldn't be bone damage or soft tissue damage that needs an accurate diagnosis. If you are continuing to have pain and it's worsening and and you don't think that you've gotten the appropriate evaluation, you could ask for a referral to a sports medicine specialist or an orthopedist and that It it may be offered to you, but you can also ask, Um, and that's a a good route to go if you think you may be dealing with a more significant injury that you want further evaluation for. And there are some uh, medical practices that are sports medicine primary care practices. So that's another thing that you could sort of seek out um, if that's something that exists in your area um, and uh, is available to you, you know, whatever your health insurance situation is. Um, So so that's kind of the the primary care beginning imaging and Mm -hmm. potentially a sports medicine or or orthopedics referral um, for something more significant. Other places that you might be referred from there or that you could ask for, one of them is physical therapy. This is a super common referral to get for any type of pain or injury. And it's a great one because physical therapy is awesome. I think pretty much anybody could benefit from it. But my caveat for that is that all physical therapy is not created equal. Many, many physical therapists that practice in sort of a general physical therapy um, environment are most experienced with seeing maybe post-surgical patients um, who are maybe older, uh, less active, and oftentimes can be quite conservative in their approach to managing pain and injuries. It's like, they don't want to hurt people um, and they will oftentimes be less um, aggressive in progressing somebody through a rehab protocol than an athlete um, who has a pretty strong baseline um, level of strength and and movement um, could tolerate So not to say that it's bad uh, to go to see a general physical therapist, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that person is going to be um, the optimal person to help you get back to running as a stronger person. And ideally, a physical therapy program shouldn't just rehab an injury. It should also sort of teach you and your body what happened in the first place and how to prevent it happening again. Because unless you just stepped off a curb, right, and rolled your ankle, which happens most (laughs) of... the injuries that, that we as runners deal with, like didn't happen um, quickly. They happen slowly over time because of movement patterns that we have and that, that we repeat over and over and over and over again because we run long distances. Um, and so working with a therapist who understands what those movement patterns are and can help you maybe look at the underlying cause instead of just treating the specific injury that's bothering you this week um, could be really helpful. If your um, uh, PCP doesn't refer you to somebody like that, you can look in some um, states, physical therapy doesn't require a doctor's order or referral. Um, and in some states it does. Um, so you may need to look into that for yourself, but you may also be able to do some research in your area as like, who's the person that athletes uh, go to, you know, ask in your local Facebook running group, like, who's your guy <laughs> or girl? Uh, and you will probably get some good answers like here in portland you know there's a huge community of runners and there are practices that focus specifically on sports and athletes and runners and you can find those people and some of them take a lot of different insurance but your pcp might not know that person um so you could do a little bit of research on specifically um, therapists who work with athletes and runners so physical
0: therapy is uh yeah that was the answer to that (laughs) um uh yeah, what else? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, just to add to that, that's partially why I usually go directly to my physical therapist. She works specifically with athletes and runners. Um, I've also been going to her for like two years now, but in Colorado and Maryland, actually, you don't need a referral. So that's nice if you know you want to go to someone, a physical therapist directly. But just like you're saying, if your state required to go to the PCP route, um, or like maybe physical therapy isn't where you need to go yet. Maybe you need to go to an ortho or whatnot. Um, Another cool thing, I think this is state specific too, but in Colorado, um, my physical therapist can order the images. So like if she suspects that it might be a stress fracture, then she could order it and then I can kind of bypass the my insurance requires to go PCP to get a referral to get the MRI. (laughs) Very complex, but all that to say, I wouldn't be able to use insurance either. So like, there's a lot of things to consider when you are trying to figure out and navigate your way through injury, of what you can and cannot pay for, what insurance will and won't pay for. Yeah, I don't remember how I got on this little (laughs) <laughs> tangent. Yeah, well,
1: you know, you know, we were talking about where you might go next mm. or where you might be sent from primary care, and when we were sort of covered that physical therapy piece. Another one that I think is underutilized um, that's useful is um, a, a dietitian, uh, a registered dietitian, and specifically a sports dietitian. So many injuries have a, a nutritional component to them, and I think that's not um, understood. And I think that also when we think about rehab and healing, that's a really important piece because tissue healing requires nutrients. (laughs) Um, And Mm -hmm. I think the instinct of a lot of athletes who are injured is, I'm not running so I shouldn't eat. Um, I'm not burning calories, so I shouldn't take in calories. And that can be really damaging. Um, And so just like with physical therapy, you know, you have to get through the acute healing. You also have to look at the underlying problem um, that maybe led to the injury in the first place. And I think the role of adequate nutrition in preventing injury is huge. Um, but again, you're not necessarily going to get that advice from a, a run-of-the-mill sort of standard medical practice or not even necessarily from a dietitian who's not focused on working with athletes. So that would be another thing to consider when you're looking at your overall health care plan um, and deciding who can help you.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Because I feel like when it comes to injuries, the first place everyone looks is like, what have I been doing in my training leading up to this? What did I do wrong? And sometimes it's not something you did wrong. Sometimes it is like your gait could be altered in some way or like you did too much too soon. But like just like you're saying, I feel like I see it with athletes. And as a coach, it's challenging because I am not – my scope is not nutrition. <laughs> so it's hard to be like, okay, like I can ask how is your nutrition – uh, do you feel like you're fueling enough? All of that. But I can't be like helpful, super helpful in that area, especially not knowing the specifics of what my athletes are and aren't eating because um, that's like, again, not in my scope. Uh, so, yeah, working with a registered dietitian that works with sport athletes, sport athletes <laughs> specifically, is really useful. And I think even like if you're not injured and you can work with someone that is really beneficial just to like prevent something from happening you know and
1: we all we all want to sort of do it by ourselves, I think, and and we'll we'll put off getting the kind of help and assistance that could be really helpful until we we have to, <laughs> and and I think that's why we sometimes talk about yeah, an injury can be a gift in a way because it can force you into um, figuring those things out a little bit and and going forward to be stronger, uh, you know. But something else that you just said that I wanted to pick up on was this idea that like, uh, I what did I do wrong that caused this injury and. That idea that you must have done something wrong if you're injured um, is so pervasive and it's really hard. I mean, I, I fall into that myself. You know, I'm, I'm a runner and I've had injuries. I don't know any runner who hasn't. <laughs> um, and they happen, right? And it doesn't mean that it's because we did something wrong or that it's somehow our fault. And sort of going through and saying, Why did I do this? How did I get here? Uh, you know, and sort of flogging yourself about that is so unfortunate. And, uh, you know, I, I'll, you a little bit um, about, I had like a, I didn't have a major injury this year, but I did have some pain in my shin and calf that was plaguing me for a long time. Um, and it it took me out for a few weeks of training and it sort of had me questioning, you know, is it right for me to go into training train for another race right now? And, you know, I had some false starts trying to get back into regular training. And I I was really hard on myself about that. I was thinking like, I'm supposed to be good at this, right? Yeah, This is my profession, not running, but like health and coaching. Uh, yeah. I wish it was running. <laughs> I'm too slow. <laughs> um, but uh, to say like, so how did I screw this up that I wound up in this position? And And that's not right. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) it's not helpful. It's not that's not the the sort of the lens that is is useful here. Uh, I think it is okay to look back and say, like, oh, are there things that maybe led up to this that I could understand? You know, oh, did I have a stressful year? Like, did I have to travel back and forth to the East Coast a bunch of times for family stuff? Was work you know, a difficult thing, did a bunch of other things happen, you know, health-wise and, you know, I, I'll, yes. And then you can look back and say like, okay, this makes sense and I am able to accept it and now I can move on uh, as opposed to saying like, I did this to myself and I deserve to be punished.
0: Yeah, and I think I think one of the really challenging things is that If you did, like, the same thing two years in a row, one year you got injured, one year you didn't, it's, like, sometimes there's no rhyme or reason to why the injury occurs. And I've felt that a lot with what I've been coming back with because, like, my training – well, I was about to say my training leading up to the ultra was great. (laughs) It had its ups and downs. It had some little niggles. But, like, I never had, like – my foot never hurt. It didn't hurt in any of my training races, training runs – Uh, leading up or and not until like hour 11 of the race. And it just like kind of came out of nowhere. But like that entire week after I was racking my brain, like what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? Why did this happen? And it's just a negative spiral that frankly doesn't help us recover. Um, And I do see with a lot of athletes that when they come to me as a running coach, one of their goals is like, I want to avoid injury. I want to be injury free. Like I'm so afraid of getting hurt. And that's challenging because it's like, I can't guarantee that. No one can guarantee that. So working through that with athletes is also really hard. Yeah. And, you know, we know
1: that training errors lead to injury, right? Mm -hmm. But every injury wasn't necessarily caused by a training error. Yeah. Um, And so I, I think sort of keeping that in mind is really helpful. Um, And, you know, yes, I see that in my practice, too, because people come to me specifically often because injury has been a big part of their story and they're looking to avoid that and, and to prevent it. And there's not a one to one correlation between like, okay, well, we fix this thing and that goes away. Right? It, yeah. it is, uh, humans are complex, bodies are complex. And mm-hmm. when I work with people on preventing injury, like yes, we look at the specific mechanical stuff that might've been going on, but it's also that broad picture of health that goes into it when we talk about sleep and we talk about nutrition and we talk about stress that's going mm-hmm. on in the mm-hmm. rest of your life. That's a huge one that gets overlooked all the time. And you say, yes. well, what does is, what is my work situation have to do with my foot pain? And uh, it does, right? Mm-hmm. That the overall stress in your life is really related to the way that your body experiences training stress. That those aren't necessarily completely separate buckets to your body. You can't tell your body's tissues like, well, this stress came from something else, so it doesn't count. <laughs> uh, and that doesn't that doesn't work that way. Uh, and I think that's not intuitive for a lot of Uh, athletes and it's frustrating too because some of us are like well that's how I relieve stress right is with running Uh and now you're telling me that stress causes it what do I do Um, and so uh, yeah it's uh, it's not simple
0: yeah I remember in early 2021 I worked with a nutrition professional just to like check in make sure see if there's like there's always things we can improve but like make sure my big goal was like make sure I was eating enough to support my running and in one of our conversations she was like so what do you do for stress relief that is not active and i was like what do you mean <laughs> like my stress relief is my running or my climbing or my lifting she was like you need other things <laughs> that don't require moving your body and i was like you're probably right so that's a good reminder for everyone for sure
1: yeah yeah that's great advice
0: yeah so let's talk a little bit about We've talked a little bit about stress fractures, and I feel like those are more straightforward when you're getting care for your injury because it's like your bone's broken or it's not. It's not really that cut and dry, but uh, if the bone's broken, we know we rest. Yeah, like you can't do much else until the bone is healed. But what is more, maybe not more pervasive, but what we see a lot are the tendon issues or ligaments or the planner fascia. Um, can you talk a little bit about how or some tips for like navigating those types of injuries and I know one thing we want to touch on is like why just stop running is not great advice in those cases.
1: Yes, uh, you know, those soft tissue injuries can be so frustrating because you're right, bone injuries are pretty straightforward, like they're not good, but we yep. have a pretty um, robust understanding of an appropriate treatment and rehab protocol for a bone stress injury. You know, you lay off for a certain amount of time, you build back in a certain frequency and, and intensity, and, and it, it's pretty predictable. Um, and that's not the case for soft tissue injuries, and I think tendon um injuries are very common in, in runners and, and less well understood. Um, they're often a less clear diagnosis and the course of recovery is just so much more variable. Uh, and there's been sort of a shift in thinking around rehabbing these injuries in the past few years. Um, it used to be advised sort of broadly just that they needed rest, that these are overuse injuries and that the proper way to heal them is rest. And that is much less the the advice now. I mean, that's still given as advice, but it's less the sort of cutting edge correct advice, <laughs> I would say, mm-hmm. um, and that the current um, research and and thinking on this is that tendons actually need loading to heal. But I wouldn't suggest that you hear that and say, great, then I'm just going to load my tendons and they'll get better. I think this is where working with a professional who understands that is going to be really super duper helpful. And the types of protocols that, that are useful in tendon healing you know, will involve progressive loading in certain positions and tension that will help them to heal as opposed to the kind of RICE protocol, rest ice compression elevation that we used for so long. So if we think we're dealing with a tendon injury, um, that that getting to a rehab specialist, which will usually be a physical therapist. There are some other professionals who work in this space and you might know them, sometimes a sports chiropractor or somebody like that um, is also able to help with this. And that person can help you with a real active recovery protocol. And it's not gonna look the exact same for everybody uh, because the tissues don't respond predictably, right? And um, Mm -hmm. there are so many other factors in play with how these things go. Um, And so... That, but, but, I think the important piece is that that they they may get what better on their own if we don't do anything and we just rest them, but if we want them to return to full function um, and maybe you know reduce the chance of future injury that that an active treatment plan is really necessary. And you're not going to get that for the most part from a primary care doctor who says, "Oh, you've got an overuse injury. Um take ibuprofen and rest for four to six weeks.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I just want to reiterate the unpredictability that you mentioned about tendons. I feel like I've had a lot of soft tissue injuries. That's like, knock on wood, I've never had a bone injury. (laughs) They're all soft tissues, but coming back from them is one of the most frustrating things because it's like one day, a 30-minute run could be fine, and then two days later, maybe it's not fine. And then my brain specifically, I know a lot of other people's brains, they like trends and they like linear progression. And that's just, we don't get that with uh, all soft tissue injuries. So I just want to shout out to everyone dealing with one. It is very challenging, but uh, I think what helps me, I'm curious what helps you get through them is like thinking of recovering more as an experiment and like, okay, today I'm going to see what I can tolerate and just like learn from it. It doesn't mean like, it's a good or a bad day it's like okay my foot hurt a little more at this point in the run so I'm going to like make note of that and take it as data to use later but it's not necessarily like oh I'm a failure because I could run for 30 minutes last week and now I can only run for 15 minutes without pain that kind of thing
1: yeah that is so frustrating isn't it um, and, and I think you're exactly right that it's, it's so gratifying when things progress in a linear fashion and we say, okay, I did 15 minutes and then I did 20 minutes and then I did 30 minutes and now I'm back to normal. And it doesn't mm-hmm. go that way. It's, it's oftentimes like this sort of jagged line, you know, instead of a straight line. Uh, and I think one thing that can be helpful um, is in fact to, to track a little bit more how you're feeling and not just rely on your memory. Because I think that sometimes allows us to overvalue the sort of micro trend the yesterday versus today and undervalue the longer term trajectory which is often more important and you might be recovering over you know 3 4 or 5 weeks and you will see the upward trend if you look at it on that time scale but you won't remember one day 3 weeks ago you'll remember yesterday and so you you won't see necessarily the trend unless you're tracking it a little bit more actively And I think that's useful for a lot of people just psychologically to see like, oh, okay, here's where the trend line is. And not only is it useful psychologically, but it's also useful, you know, in terms of working with whoever's helping along on your recovery, because Mm -hmm. if that trend line isn't going up, then you maybe need to reevaluate. Right. But um, you won't know that if you're not paying attention. Um, So so I think that's a a great um, sort of. Pearl of something that can be helpful going through, and then I think the other one, and this one is so hard to hear, is just be patient.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um,
1: I I am the worst at this. Um, I was I, uh, I ran a fifty k in October, and it took me longer to recover from it than I wanted it to. And that for some reason, I thought that it should. I had this idea in my head about what the recovery should look like. And I think that was based on, you know, how I had recovered from events like that in the past. And I'm sitting here like mad at myself because it's been a week and a half and I'm not like, uh, you know, ready for a long run.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm
1: going, well, I, I should be there now. And and it's frustrating that I'm not. And to say like, well, okay, but it's been 10 days. <laughs> you know since a super hard effort and maybe that's an okay pace to be recovering at for this phase in my life yeah. um, and 10 days is a short period of time in the grand scheme of things and it's not going to cost me anything you know to to lay off for a few more days but i have a hard time maybe accepting that because it doesn't align with the expectation that i had going in um, and so, you know, again, this is like more of a of a mindset shift than it is anything to do with like how you actually change what you do with your body. Um, but but I think, you know, uh, for a lot of us, that's the missing piece.
0: Yeah, yeah. And just to add on to that, I have I got a question. I think it was last week on my Tuesday q that I do that was like, do you ever consider giving longer recovery than the one day for every 10 miles raced? Because uh, this person is a DPT and she was like, I feel like, especially for like the marathon, that is too short of a timeline. I was like, yeah, definitely I do. And I feel like it's trending towards I'm giving more time off as I like coach longer because just like you're saying, there's no need to rush back in and like if we can take an extra couple of days even if it doesn't match what we think we should be doing and that will like help us relate better um allow our bodies to recover more than like that's definitely worth it but it is mentally very very challenging to accept especially i feel like in the world that we live in with social media and just like Seeing other people are always doing things, and it's like, oh, I want to be running. I want to be doing long runs. I miss doing this. And yeah, patience is one of the best things we can have.
1: Yeah. And you know, a rule of thumb like that, um, like the one day for every, I, I forget what it was, 10 every, miles about rest every time yeah, um, <laughs> is, is fine, but. That can also, I think, set up unrealistic expectations because there's no one recovery rule that's going to work for everybody. And Mm -hmm. there are so many variables that go into what's going to make you recover at whatever rate you do. You know, how old are you? How hard did you go? You know, is this your first marathon or your 24th marathon? Uh, Mm -hmm. What was the weather like? What was your fueling like? That to say that there's a rule (laughs) that that will answer that question. Um, Well, I mean, if there were, then like you and I would be out of a job, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but I, but I think that because those sort of um, rules of thumb are out there that we kind of forget that they're not that good. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're not that, that perfect. They're not applicable to everybody. And and we think like, well, if I fall outside of that, then there's something wrong with me. No, there isn't.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say the same thing. And I feel like, especially with like, we see people doing run streaks for like multiple years and like that's fine for them <laughs> if it's working for but <laughs> not <for> yeah me. <laughs> exactly and like I think some of the things we see those people are the exception and we shouldn't take them as the rule <laughs> kind of thing um, and I do think we are seeing a little bit more at least some of the people I follow I've seen them taking a lot more time off after like their big races which is nice because a lot of us do suffer from i constantly want to be going i cost- constantly want to be training for something what am i doing next um, and i actually think that i think that's partially an error that i made cuz we're both doing the san diego race again which is mid january you're doing the half i'm doing the 5k again uh, but i have to actually- tell us <laughs> <laughs> uh, the 5k is so painful although half i know painful, but it's awful. over sooner that's <laughs> true i'm actually curious if this is the same for you cuz i have felt a lot of pressure because i don't want to just run that race for fun like i'd rather race it so i feel this pressure to get back to or like i felt the pressure to get back to normal training after my ultra which obviously didn't happen so that's like been an extra layer of struggle was it similar for you yeah, it
1: is. And, you know, when I think about this, I, I have run the half, the Carlsbad half before a few years ago, and I have it in my head that I have to run it faster than I ran it a few years ago. And I mean, that, that's a personal goal, and it's good to have personal goals, right? They give us, they motivate us, they move us forward. But uh, I guarantee you, I'm the only person who knows what my time was the last time I ran it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, guarantee. Like my husband doesn't know, my coach doesn't know, my mom doesn't know, like it's just me. I'm literally the only person who cares. And so can I use that as a motivator, right? To get me to work as hard as I need to, to get to the start line, ready to go, but also not let that be something that detracts from my experience. Right. So I can have that number in my head, you know, so, so I did my tempo run this morning and I was like, okay, here's the pace that I'm going to be running and I feel like I can feel it in my legs. It feels good. I can do it. Um, and that's useful, right? It's useful to have the goal for that reason. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't, it would cease to be useful if if it became something that I bludgeoned myself with.
0: Yeah, definitely. But I am excited to see how you do in the half just because I'll be <laughs> in the place. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there. Well, actually, when you were recovering from your ultra or the shin, ca, shin, was it shin and calf niggle that you had? Yeah. Which route did you go to to take care of it?
1: Yeah. So I started with just taking a little bit of time off. Off, um, You know, it, it had been bugging me for a little while. And I kind of knew that it was like one of those building things. But I wasn't as concerned because it wasn't stopping me from running. It wasn't like every step was painful. It was kind of a coming and going. So I was thinking like, OK, this is going to be OK. And it, it didn't get better the way that I hoped that it would get better. Um, so I did eventually go and see my primary care doctor to talk about it a little bit. Um, and, and we just sort of said, "Okay, here's the situation." And because she knows, you know, me as a runner and as a also somebody with a healthcare background, we were able to sort of talk about it and say, "Like, I don't think I have a." Um, Bone injury, but I I do know that I did this like larger volume of effort and training with hills than before, and so I want to make sure that I'm not thinking about that all wrong. And she kind of agreed with me um, that that was unlikely, and and so I went back to see um, physical therapy for a little while, who you know did some actual hands on tissue work with me and helped me um, to the heal through the acute phase. Of it, um, and now I've been working through with physical therapist here who works with runners on um, a more of a longer term um, strategy to uh, suss out what was going on um, that caused that flare up in the first place. Um, so that's how I've been managing it. Um, it was yeah, starting with like just rest and lay off for a little bit, and then I was concerned enough to want a, a medical opinion. Got that agreement, and then went back to physical therapy. And I think that's a, like a pretty common uh, route to go as long as you are sort of open to listening to your doctor but also um, understanding the context
0: <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, do you have a PT you want to shout out in Portland? because I know there are some listeners there. Yeah. So the physical therapist who
1: I know um, here in Portland is Matt Walsh, who works with a lot of runners and trail runners. Um, He's an Australian uh, gentleman, uh, great uh, history of of success and really open-minded and and expert. So
0: uh, he works out of Evolution Healthcare here in Portland, which is a great facility. Perfect. Yeah. And I'll link his information for anyone who is in Portland and might be in the market for a physical therapist. Is there anything that we haven't talked about in this conversation yet?
1: I mean not that you and I haven't talked about about <laughs> the healthcare thing. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to seeing how you do in your 5K in San Diego.
0: <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> It's gonna hurt, right? <laughs> it is gonna hurt. Yeah, I'm doing a 5K time trial this weekend, so I have like an idea of what to expect. I'm like similar to you. I feel like, oh, I should be faster than I was last year. But then at the same time, it's like, Kelly, you haven't been training for 5Ks this year. <laughs> You've been training for a 50 miler mm-hmm. in the mountains, <laughs> which is very different. Um, and also, if anyone hasn't listened to what was that? Our second recording together we talked a lot about loving the 5k and also ultras so (laughs) and how they can be together in harmony but yeah if you're training for an ultra and then going pretty quickly to a 5k you might not be quite in 5k shape yet
1: (laughs) yeah right it's opposite ends of the spectrum and you know it's so good for fitness and it's so good for fun but like boy
0: it's a challenge no i was i did a track workout yesterday and i was just thinking to myself well when i was procrastinating and then i was like i'm literally choosing to do this and put myself through pain so like i might as well just get it done <laughs> like no one's forcing me to do this which kind of was like a freeing realization cuz i was like i don't have to do this i'm choosing to do this <laughs> yeah Yeah, remind yourself of that uh, at mile two of the 5K. You know, at least at Carlsbad, it's an out and back, so you know exactly where halfway is. And then you have that hill when you come down the overpass. Yeah. You also know exactly how many people you need to pass (laughs) if you want to win. That's so true. Yeah, that 180 turn, though, is going to get me again. It got me last year. It's just, like, so aggressive yeah, no tippy shoes on that one <laughs> the half marathon does is that in noun back too yeah but you guys actually get to go to see the coast right
1: yeah a good portion of it is is along the coast um it's That's a really so nice. beautiful course yeah and then it comes back that way um yeah and my uh my husband max is running it as well um <gasps> and, yeah he ran it last year it was his first half that he'd ever done and he decided he had a good time and he wants to do it again. So he'll be out there too.
0: Nice. That will be so exciting. Is he going for a time or is he more for fun? Mm-mm. He's he's
1: more just like, I think I can run 13 miles. Let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I know. I love it too.
0: Yeah. It's it's very refreshing because I feel like we we are in the population that is more time and performance driven versus I guess it depends which sector I feel like in trail running it is more of the well let's see what I can do today
1: (laughs) you know it's so funny because that's how I am as a trail runner but now like here we are on the roads and I'm like if I'm not running 745s (laughs) then I quit
0: (laughs) yeah I know I don't know what it is about the road but it brings out it brings out the competitor in me
1: I know. Me too. Yeah. But, you know, fortunately, we're not competing against each other this year.
0: (laughs) I know. And last year we were in different age divisions, so there was that. Yeah, I think we will probably always be in different age divisions. (laughs) I think it depends on the race. There's one 5K around here that they do, like, it's like 13 to 19 and then 20 to 49. So we would be in the same division.
1: Well, I am pursuing the strategy of getting older so that my uh, times can be slower. And so far, it's working out really well. I turned 40 last year, which is a, a great one because you jump up right to the bottom
0: of the new age group and then you can, you know, kick some butt, take yeah, some names. That's true. Although I feel like the women in their 30s right now who are around me, they, they will not be slowing down once we all hit 40. Uh, yeah,
1: it's true. It's actually like, like the late 30s and early 40s are a really solid uh, group of competitors in the, in the women's field. It's
0: inspiring. It is. Yeah. We just have to wait until I want to be, there's this one race out in Vail that I usually do. I didn't do it this past summer, but there's always like this one woman, I want to say she's in her 80s and I feel like she always went to her age division because it's like her and someone else because there's not many people in their 80s running trail races but I aspire to be that Uh, yeah goals yeah but yeah before we (laughs) just keep talking about random stuff where can the people find you And yeah let's remind them Yeah. So I,
1: the best place to find me is probably on Instagram, which is at flowerpower.health. That's my business where I do health coaching. I do consulting. I help people um, come up with overall health plans. I help people um, who want to improve performance. And I also help people who are struggling with the medical system, whether that's athletes or other people who are trying to figure out how do I get through to my doctor? How do I get what I need out of this situation why am i always upset every time i leave the doctors i need somebody to help me um so i help those people as well um yeah so yes flowerpower.help on instagram um or my website it's just flowerpower.help and i've got some fun freebies and giveaways over there Um, and yeah i love to um engage with people online so if you have questions for me or you just want to say hi uh, come find me over there
0: yeah, and I'll link all of those. But I think this episode will hopefully be helpful for people because, uh, y- like you said at the top of the episode, most of us have had injuries. And if you haven't had an injury, you are one of the lucky ones. And I hope you never have an injury. But more, but you probably than will. Yeah, <laughs> you'll <laughs> probably be in this situation at some point in time. So hopefully, this episode can help you navigate. um But yeah, thank you again for coming on, Elizabeth. This was fun. Yeah, and I don't know when this episode airs, but if
1: you are in Carlsbad and you see me or Kelly at the
0: Carlsbad uh, Half Marathon 5K, uh, shout out hello. Yeah, yeah, this will air next week, so the last week of 2023. So it'll be out before our race. Perfect great so yeah find us there we'd love to see you (laughs) find us cheer us on the half marathon starts really early in the dark (laughs) 5k not short is not long after (laughs) so yeah if you're up early if you're at the races let us know that's a wrap on this week's episode thank you so much for listening to this if you like this podcast please rate subscribe review everything you do for podcasts wherever you listen to them it helps me out immensely and helps other people find this show and just spread my message and if you haven't already connect with me on instagram or tiktok at coaching Clutz. you can also find me at my website CoachingClutz.com if you're looking for my coaching services or any of my running programs and i will talk to you all next time